Welcome everybody to the monthly movie dispatch. We get together every month and talk about movies we've seen, what we recommend, and what to avoid. What separates us from the other 10,000 movie-related shows is that we're high school friends and we've been discussing movies for 15 years. We love talking film and we'd be doing it even if no one was listening. I'm here today with all four of us. We got Brandon Bulby in New York City. Hey, guys. Uh, Sean Bulby in Seattle. Hello. Derek Deal in Everett. Hello. And I'm Nick Moffat. So in this episode, we're going to recap our summer movie wager uh, the contest is pretty much wrapped up, so we're going to go over the results on that and announce uh, the winner. Then we're going to do some short reviews of what new movies we've seen this month before doing an in-depth review of Spike Lee's new film, The Black Klansman. I guess it's not The Black Klansman, it's just Black Klansman. So, anyway, uh, Brandon, what's going on? How was, uh, how was your month of August? Month of August, frankly, it kind of sucks, I think. And I'm constantly let down with the final month of summer there was almost nothing to see and it really showed because i only saw like five movies i think only three of them in theaters over the entire month um yeah like week after week there's nothing too outstanding to even try to go see uh but one fun thing that i did i think i told you guys this when i was in seattle but I didn't say it on the podcast last month because we recorded it early. But on the plane ride to Seattle, I did something I'd never done before. And they had a lot of good movies on Delta to watch. And while I was on the runway, I remember um, in order, I started watching Hostels. And then immediately after Hostels ended, I watched Tomb Raider. And then as soon like hostels, yes, hostels like the uh, Eli Roth movies. No, no, uh, host hostiles. Christian Bale movie. <laughs> hostiles, not hostile. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry uh, to I don't you. know how to pronounce it. I guess specifically, but uh, wait, who directed it, Derek? Well, uh, no, I just know Christian Bale's in it. Yeah, Christian Bale's in it. Um, it's like a really interesting modern western um and i enjoyed it a lot it's it's pretty brutal too uh but i watched also tomb raider and then i finished the trilogy off with chappaquiddick which is a really interesting piece of history that i knew nothing about with the kennedys and literally i finished the third film when we were landing and pulling back up to the gate in seattle it was like it was awesome five and a half straight hours of movies Damn. Nice. Anyway, Derek, so, uh, you know, congratulations. You just had your baby. This is your Thank first, you. uh, this is your first episode, uh, back. Mm -hmm. And, um, I guess it's my first episode back too. We both had babies, but, um, right. anyway, uh, you know, how's that going? How, how has the baby changed your life? Uh, immensely, you know, nothing's really the same. Uh, slowly kind of working my way back into, <clears throat> some of my hobbies and stuff is just so time consuming but um i was able to catch a couple movies but none of them were actually like august movies so i was able to catch up on a couple movies i was just really excited to watch like i watched uh american animals Ooh, uh, nice. which yeah i thought that was really creative way to make a movie i've never really seen 
a movie done like that. Uh, but it was really great. And then I watched uh, Upgrade, which is definitely going to be a contender for me for end of year list. One of my favorite movies. So good. Um, but that's all I really watched. Didn't make it out to the theater uh, besides to go see Black Klansman. Um, yeah, I think I hopefully like in the next coming month, I'll be able to get back into the groove of regularly watching movies. It's just been really tough, but yeah, totally. Um, Good picks though. I, Derek, I, I knew you were going to love upgrade. Yeah. I remember just walking out of the theater being like, Derek is going to love this movie. <laughs> yeah, like I really just I would love to just go watch it again right now. It's one of those movies that's just so much fun and so so easy to watch too. It just like I don't know. What was the budget of that movie again? It was like it was low. Uh, feel like under five million maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. three. It just says three to five million. Jesus fuck. <laughs> it's just unbelievable yeah. it's like yeah. no one has an excuse anymore to make a shitty looking film yeah 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 for sure i want to say um just mentioning how weak like august has been i was just pulled up box office mojo like stats for august because in general august sucks and this august has only made 440 million dollars total for the entire month, which is pretty low, just in general, right? <laughs> yeah, that's like it's like two hundred million less than Avengers made. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. August is typically really, really slow. That's why we're trying to combine the summer movie wager episode and our reviews, just because there wasn't really a lot going on. Um, so, Sean, what, what have you been up to this month? Um, yeah, it was kind of a slow month for me, with, with at least with new movies. Uh, I only saw the three that um, that I'm get, we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I did see since we brought it up earlier. I, me and Kelly watched Glow. We kind of binge watched the second season of Glow, which is such an awesome show. It's such a good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen it yet, uh, I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, it's been kind of slow since I, I <clears throat> did some vacation things and I have been playing the shit out of God of War trilogy. I actually beat one, two, and three this month and I'm going to start God of War, the, the, the new God of War game, uh, when I get back from Iceland. Um, but then I also, I did watch, um, for the first time, um, uh, Lethal Weapon, the original Lethal Weapon. Oh, far out! You never seen yeah. that before? I'd never seen that movie. No uh, shit. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a little gun on the mantle piece. That so that like the original the third buddy cop comedy podcast. Uh, it's one of the early ones that I know of. Um, I don't know if it's the original, but yeah, it's definitely. Did, did Shane Black didn't direct that, right? Yeah. Wait, he, oh no no I'm sorry that was uh, that he, was Richard that was like Donner his, directed it. He, okay, but that was like wrote, Shane Black's like breakout script. Yep. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Um, going back to Glow really quick, Derek, have you watched Glow? I haven't. Okay, I've seen season one of Glow. Um, 
it's just funny that you guys that Brandon and Sean bring it up when me and Derek are like the wrestling guys on the <laughs> on this on this uh, podcast. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I love the first season. I just haven't gone around to watching the second season yet. Um, I just yeah, I want to tell you guys. Uh, you know, I just had a baby too. Um, I didn't know if I was going to make it on this podcast. Uh, it was kind, of, you know, it's kind of funny how the last episode ended with, you know, we're going to go live to Mission Impossible. Um, I might be there. I might have my baby. And it turned out that I had my baby literally that day that you guys went and saw Mission Impossible. So, um, you know, it's fun hearing you guys talk about it. Um, but yeah, it's been great. Just I took three weeks off of work, and it was just. All, all I did was take care of my new baby and, you know, hang out with my wife. And it was just like, it was just the best thing ever. Um, and we just watched movies. Like we just constantly had movies on. And so I wanted to just real quick, just recap all the movies that I watched with. <laughs> oh, shit. Yes. <laughs> so in the hospital, uh, we brought, and we brought and watched on DVD The Royal Tenenbaums, The Life Aquatic, and The Darjeeling Limited. On the TV in the hospital, we watched a submarine movie called Hell and High Water, the original King Kong, Men in Black, and the live-action, live-action Jungle Book. We also had uh, Gringo and I Feel Pretty from The Red, the Red Box. Went home. That's when it really got into gear. Watched Say Anything, Little Miss Sunshine, Crazy Stupid Love, Punch Drunk Love, Reservoir Dogs, Strangers on the Third Floor, Mission Impossible 3, The Bridge on the, on the River Kwai, 1955's Marty, a Lady Gaga documentary, Five Foot Two, Star Wars, The Clone Wars Movie, Star Wars, A New Hope, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, 2017's Jumanji, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Billy Wilder's Double Indemnity, De- Denny Villeneuve's Enemy, Her, Joel Schumacher's Falling Down, my favorite movie of all time, Ghostbusters, Machete, The Dark Knight, The Great Muppet Caper, Nacho Libre, The Truman Show, The Edge of Seventeen, My Favorite Wife, going back to Redbox, we got Death Wish and Tully, 2016's Operation Avalanche, went to theater for Mission Impossible Fallout, watched a couple Charlie Chaplin movies, The Kid and City Lights, a few Hitchcock movies... Yeah, a few Hitchcock movies, To Catch a Thief, Psycho, and Lifeboat. The 1956 Escape from Prison classic, um, A Man Escaped. Thor Ragnarok, Marilyn Monroe in The Seven-Year Itch. Michael Mann's Manhunter, Brett Ratner's Red Dragon, Jonathan Demme's Sounds of the Lambs, or Ridley Scott's Hannibal. Yeah, we watched all four of those Hannibal movies. Nicholas Whiny Reffin's Only, Go- Only God Forgives. Werner Herzog oh. Eats His Shoe. A Most Violent Year, <laughs> Avengers Infinity War, Billy Wilder's Ace in the Hole, Winter's Bone, The, the End of the Tour, Rodney Dangerfield and Back to School, Armageddon, The Troma Classic, Class of Newcomb High, Roman Plansky's Chinatown, The Hunger Games Catching Fire, and Tremors. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, so basically I was in heaven for three weeks. <laughs> just like, just chilling out. Hanging with my new baby, hanging with my wife, hanging with our friend Sabrina, and just just watching movies. It was just so much fun. Um, yeah, anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's what I've been up to pretty much. Um, somehow, you know, I snuck away and saw Black Klansman, which we'll review later, later in this episode. But, um, yeah, just watching movies nonstop and hanging out with the new baby. So, uh, anyway, so you guys want to uh, start breaking into our short reviews? Summer Movie Wager first? Oh, Summer Movie Wager. I'm sorry. Totally missed that. So, um, 
let's do this. Who wants to uh, break down the box office top ten? All right, number ten, which by the end of or by Labor Day, there is a chance the Meg will overtake it. But uh, current standings are at number ten is Mamma Mia two. Uh, 115 million. Oceans 8, number 9, 139 million. Hotel Transylvania 3 at 8, uh, 158 million. And number 7, Mission Impossible 6, 193 million. And number 6 is Ant Man and the Wasp at 211 million. And number 5 is Solo, a Star Wars story at 213 million the reason i lost the entire thing uh, at number four deadpool 2 at 318 million at number three jurassic park 2 Dr- uh, jurassic world 2 at 413 million and number two incredibles 2 at 597 million jesus we and might it- <laughs> have two 600 million plus movies this summer yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I had no idea Incredibles two was going to do anything anywhere near that. That is crazy. And at number one, Avengers: Infinity War at six hundred and seventy eight million. Real quick, do you do you guys have any like surprises? Like, I guess Incredibles two was the big surprise that it was it drew that much money. I think the biggest surprise is isn't how much a movie made, but how much money a movie didn't make in Solo. I thought there yeah. were, did anyone think there was a universe where right. Solo made less money than Deadpool 2? That's uh that's so crazy. No. <laughs> and <Yeah>. almost <laughs> almost oh, yeah. less money than Ant-Man. 200 2 million dollars more than Ant-Man. A Star Wars movie flopped this summer. Yeah, I mean that's pretty shocking, but I do think like I don't want to like Incredibles how much did Incredibles 1 make? 250 i think i want to say that's just it's so much more than the first well you also got things incredibles and the first incredibles came out like 14 years ago yeah so like with inflation and just pixar has summer box office gold sometimes yeah i don't even remember that being like one of the more nostalgic pixar movies either i mean it was always one of my favorite but like I don't feel like people talked or remembered that one specifically over some of the others. I think it's definitely a trend like to pay attention to going forward. Like Finding Dory did the same thing when it came out. It like just skyrocketed to the most was like the highest grossing animated film of all time or something like that. Yeah, I mean if it wasn't for Infinity War and just being the unstoppable force that it was, Incredibles two could have won. Like if, if this was any other year, oh, yeah. Incredibles two probably would have won. Yeah. Uh, in the first uh, summer movie wager episode, I kind of mentioned that before this year, not once has a movie. So so the only years that a movie is made over six hundred million dollars, there's only one other movie that made over four hundred million dollars. So it's always, you know, there was never like two really, really high grossing movies. Uh, but this year we have Avengers, which made well over $600 million. Incredibles, which might make over $600 million. And Jurassic World, which has made over $400 million. Yeah. So it's a, the, the question for me was how much money can America spend on movies in one summer? It's and more like... How much can movie pass spend on movies for <laughs> that's, America? That's true too. Summer. Yeah, that, that's um, 
That's a big question too. How much did MoviePass really affect the numbers? How much did how much did Incredibles two bankrupt MoviePass? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy looking at it too because uh, Deadpool two that, that's a hard R. Like that's a R rated movie that made. Yeah, you know, I mean, the first one made a lot of money too, but it's like you know, people talk about superhero fatigue. I mean, looking at this, it it doesn't look like that at all. Avengers making almost seven hundred million. A, a Deadpool two very r-rated making 300 million and ant-man the wasp which is a very light silly comic book movie making 200 million it's like and incredibles too which might be the reason why it did so well is because it's right smack dab in the middle of this uh the superhero comic superhero craze i do think like infinity war probably had a positive effect on the lighter movies too because everyone went and saw infinity war and everyone was sad and like <laughs> depressed afterwards everyone wanted the light-hearted like superhero movie that's probably i feel like incredibles 2 well, i guess deadpool came out right there too but incredibles 2 i'm sure really hit a lot of that wake and i think people were expecting deadpool to be a more light-hearted you know, kind of funny comedy, yeah, lighthearted comedy, which it had some serious moments, but it, I think for the most part was. Yeah. Okay. So do you guys want to go over who the winner is? Yeah. Do Derek, do you want to go over that order? Uh, so Sean came in last place. Sorry, Sean. Um, (laughs) Sean was looking (laughs) good for a lot of the summer. He was, he had Incredibles too. You got the first two spot on. And I didn't. I had no idea Incredibles was going to make it that high up the list. Yeah, uh, the top. It's the top five. I I nailed down pretty well. I was you know pretty close to spot on. Just solo threw me off. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my bottom five. Uh, <laughs> well, you got Mission Impossible right <laughs> yeah. on at number seven. Uh-huh. But I mean, yeah, it's kind of the same with me. Like my my top five. Solo and Incredibles just like really screwed me over. Uh, I wish I had some way to uh, like, <laughs> I don't know. I really thought that it was impossible for Solo to fail. I didn't uh-huh. think it, there was a scenario in which it would, but it did. And, uh, but I, I want to say I'm pretty proud of my top 10 still. I got five spot on predictions. Yeah, that's amazing. And somehow I'm still so far below. <laughs> I'm still at. Uh, if only you place. had heard of Hotel Transylvania 3. I know. In Mamma Mia. What the yeah. heck? <laughs> Who sees Mom? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I, my two, my biggest failings, I guess, are probably just because they didn't get me points on the board is going to be Skyscraper and Life of the Party, which fall in at a nice number 17 and number 19 on the <laughs> summer movie list. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, so okay, yeah. So I came in at number third, number three. Uh, Nick, you came in at number two, just one point ahead of me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I took I took that big swing and a miss, and you know that big <laughs> swing and a miss. Jurassic Park with, uh, Jurassic <laughs> with putting Avengers at number two. I just I just thought I had to shake it up, but it turns out my six through my six through ten were exactly the same as the person who won. So. Um, yeah, yeah. I was kind of no way for you to win. I had once no chance. Yeah, Avengers hit. 
Yeah, no chance. He got second. Yeah, it was a. It was yeah. It's a good list. I mean, you're not far off on anything. Well, I you're got my, right there with everything. I got but. I got all top ten. Like, I mean, I'm yeah. pretty proud of that. That's what I aim for. Yeah, I that's got, true. Yeah. So. And the first place winner also got all the top ten, and Brandon has now won two years in a row. Yeah. Returning champ. Damn. <laughs> by by nine points too. He's like mm-hmm. far and away. The yeah, winner. we we three are all within two points of each other. Yeah, uh, and then Brandon's nine points ahead. And wow. we've determined that even if the Meg topples Mamma Mia two, Brandon will still be in the lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, feels good. Feels real good, guys. <laughs> ten out of ten. All right. So. <laughs> That means I get to pick a movie that you guys will have the pleasure of watching and hopefully should we review it this time next month or this time next year? What's the rules here? Depends on your movie. And the accessibility, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll <laughs> so revisit nice. that. Maybe, in a maybe putting some sort, of, some sort of restriction might be nice because I know I kind of just like waited well, almost a full year, I think, to watch Leviathan last time. I would say, like, in terms of like being a gentleman, it would like I think it, I think it's okay for it to be until next summer movie wager, like until mm-hmm. the, until the next one starts. But all as a podcast, it might be nice for us all to watch it around the same time so we can review it together if we were going to do that. Okay, so uh, the film I. I'm really excited for you guys to see is a film called a separation. It came out in 2011. It was the Academy award winning best foreign language film for that year. Um, It's by the director Asgar for He did a movie last a couple years ago called the salesman, which was amazing on my top 10 and another movie I saw called the past which I don't think it made my top 10, but it was also a really great film. He's a writer, director, combo, and A Separation is honestly one of the best dramas I've ever seen in my life. Um, I didn't see it back then. I saw it maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, in New York at a theater that was replaying it. And I just like walked out of that movie, and I remember just thinking, like, yep, like that is perfection. Um, it's a pretty simple film. Uh, it's, you know, takes place in Iran. It's a foreign language film and it is just absolutely flawless from beginning to end on how anybody shoots for when they make a drama. So I'm really excited for you guys to see it. Oh, that's really cool. That's a less, that's way, uh, looks, I mean, that movie sounds way more palatable than (laughs) Leviathan. Like this is one of the, this is a movie that's been on my list of things to watch for a really long time too. It's, it's not a slow burn. This movie like has energy and pace. And, um, I think you guys are going to really enjoy it while just being absolutely blown away by the tapestry that this director puts together. Um, yeah, Brandon, funny enough, you know how I have that, I have like a list of a hundred movies that I'm watching this year. Uh-huh. Uh, that a separation is on that list. So, oh, okay, I was, perfect. I was going to watch it either way, but you know, I'm excited for, I'm excited for this choice. Are you happy or sad that it's not the mirror? <laughs> um, I mean, 
Honestly, like, I mean, I, I because that was my guess. I thought you were going to have us do Tar- Tarkovsky's Mirror. And, I mean, like, I was going to watch The Separation either way. So, I mean, I, I'm still wanting to watch Mirror someday. But now I don't have, like, that, like, push for it. So, you know. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. that's cool. Um, yeah, cool. Well, congratulations, Brandon. Yeah, good job, Thank Brandon. You. Yeah. Good job, Brandon. And uh, with that, do you guys want to break into our short reviews? Let's do it. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, Sean, I think you're going to start us off with these. Yeah. Um, first movie we're going to talk about is uh, Christopher Robin. Um, my thoughts about this movie, I so I'm actually, I'm a pretty big fan of Winnie the Pooh and, and Winnie the Pooh movies. We, Me and Brandon kind of grew up with Winnie the Pooh. Um, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, we, we watched countless times. Um, but as I've kind of grown up and, uh, rewatched, um, that movie and seen some of the newer ones, um, I think Winnie the Pooh is kind of genius conceptually. Um, the way Winnie the Pooh kind of uh, puts all the character, all the, these different characters together that kind of represent different aspects of a child's psychology. So, like Piglet is <clears throat> is a child's anxiety. Eeyore represents, uh, you know, kind of depression and sadness. Um, Winnie the Pooh represents like the innocence um, of a child and kind of the the um, the wonder of a child. Um, and putting all these characters together alone i think is uh makes for a really interesting movie and a really poignant movie um so i actually i really enjoyed christopher robin uh it was actually really touching in moments and uh i got pretty choked up in several moments um there's some really great sequences um especially in kind of the there's an early montage that shows Christopher Robin growing up and, and his life changing. And there's even actually a pretty good scene where he goes off to war and is, in, is fighting in world war II. Um, Whoa. yeah. And, um, um, and I also don't think the, the movie was as funny as most Winnie the Pooh movies, which is, um, as you know, I think me and Brandon have talked about, before is uh winnie the pooh movies are a non-stop riot of of comedic genius (laughs) maybe that's an exaggeration a little bit but they're they're really funny and really clever yeah i mean i put the last winnie the pooh film on my top 10 yeah for that year Uh, it was like 2008 or Mm 9 it's incredible and yeah yeah, i was kind of worried that this one would take away one of its best features a little bit Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it definitely did. Not that there weren't funny moments. There, there was actually a moment when I laughed out loud. For the most part, the movie was more poignant and kind of sad uh, than it was funny. Um, but yeah, that's a that's about all I have to say. Um, would I did what'd you give like it on Letterbox? I, I gave it a three and a half star. Um, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, cool. So I'm I'm glad you liked it. Uh, that's. Uh, Christopher Robin, uh, that's still in theaters now. Um, I want to tell you guys about The Meg, 
So uh, I saw the Meg kind of by accident. I was planning on seeing Black Klansman, but then I missed the showing I was going to see and opened up Movie Pass. And even though Movie Pass has been incredibly unreliable and is dying a slow and painful and annoying death, um, it uh, it was available. So I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll go see the Meg. And um, I mean, if you don't know about the Meg, it's uh, the, the description of it is a deep sea submersible pilot revisits his past fears in the Marion Trench and accidentally unleashes the 70 foot ancestor of the great white shark believed to be extinct. So it's basically, I mean, it stars Jason Stratham. It's basically a giant shark, you know, and, and, uh, you know, uh, basically I feel like Jaws is a perfect movie and it's the perfect shark movie and you're not going to beat Jaws. So every few years, a new shark movie comes out that tries to do something different. You know, Deep Blue Sea came out, and that was smart sharks. And, uh, you know, Sharknado, those are silly sharks. This one, the Meg, is Big Shark. And um, I think people were expecting it to be very, like, silly, like Sinks on a Plane. And it wasn't that. It was... Um, it was directed by this guy, John Turtletob. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but that's what it looks like, Turtletob. Yeah, that's right. And uh, he did, like, the National Treasure movies, which to me are, like, very competent, regular movies. They're, like, the most, like, the most movie a movie can be. Just like, oh, I just watched a movie. And that's kind of how I felt with The Meg. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was just, oh, um... This is a giant shark, and it's uh, competent, and it's doing what it wants to do, and it's it, it mostly succeeded. You know, like I, I left the theater giving it, like, three stars. You know, I was like, it, it achieved its goal in making a giant shark movie with um, some enjoyable characters, some bland things, but mostly just, like, you know, some cool action, some big shark stuff, and... Uh, I, I got home and I was I was like, I'm either going to give it three stars or two stars. And um, I kind of settled on two and a half because it, it really didn't do anything new. So it, and it didn't do, I don't know, it just, there were parts that were, that were pretty dumb, but the movies, the movies, it's a bad giant shark. And of course it's going to have dumb parts, but anyway, it was, it was fine. You know, it was just a, you know, it's a. It was a giant shark movie. So yeah, uh, it, it it is doing surprisingly well box office wise too. Well, I think it's doing well because it's not Snakes on a Plane. Like Snakes on a Plane mm-hmm. had like that niche audience that like you know people were excited about. But I think Meg is like you know it's like it's a movie that my dad would like. You know, and my dad saw it and he liked it. You know, it's just <laughs> it's just a movie that you go and see and you enjoy, and you go home and you don't really think about it anymore. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of surprised Brandon didn't see it since he said it was his number one excited movie about August. But uh, <laughs> um, I remember looking over the month list and like there just really wasn't anything to see. And back then I thought it was going to be like an awesome, fun romp. But then all the reviews came out and we're like, yeah, it was all right. So I figure it would be a great plane movie. Not Correct a, me if I'm wrong. Not a great boat movie. No, I, I'm not going to be on a boat watching movies anytime soon. So. Oh, you're not. Okay. No. 
What? I, I thought that's how you were going to Iceland, but I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> by boat? <laughs> by boat? <laughs> no. We do have a two and a half hour ferry ride in Iceland. Maybe we should watch the Meg. Oh, yeah, that's what he's scary. talking about. It's yeah. scary as shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I watched Australia on a boat once. I was, oh, no. I was in, I was in London, though, so um, not Australia. Anyway, um, yeah, so that was the Meg. It's still in theaters now, and if it makes uh, ten million dollars this weekend, Brandon's still going to win our summer movie wager. <laughs> um, okay, so so the movie um, that I saw that I absolutely fucking loved is this film called Blind Spotting, which seemed to come out of nowhere. A uh, little recap is um, while on probation, a black man begins to reevaluate his relationship with his volatile best friend. Um, this movie takes place in Oakland, California. It's very much about uh, that neighborhood or that city. Uh, it focuses a lot on gentrification that's coming up around these two local friends that had grown up there from the beginning. And it is a weird mixture of a stylized movie. It is one of those films that like bounces perfectly back and forth between like hilarious comedy and just like impactful moments that shut you the fuck up and make you just like gasp Um, while being incredibly creative at every single moment in every single scene. Um, It's a lot like, it's a lot like uh, that other movie we saw last month, Nick, with style. Um, Give me the name. Yeah, sorry for bothering you. So, sorry to bother you. Yeah, it's a lot like sorry to bother you in the fact that this this director is just like bursting at the seams with with thoughts and ideas and technique in filmmaking. Um, but I think this movie. I think this movie nails it and actually like it lands and hits hard when it needs to. Um, this will probably go down in my top 10 at the end of the year. I gave it 4.5 stars on letterboxd. Um, another kind of cool thing about the movie is they work closely with some of the guys, um, from the musical Hamilton, uh, some of the lyricists there. And I'm not sure if it was like Lin-Manuel Miranda, the main guy, but, some other people and throughout the movie, the main character kind of does these like half talking, half rapping, like little hip hop bits as he's kind of like explaining the world around him. Um, like kind of inner in, monologue things. Or? No, not inner monologue, like in real life, like that's kind of his passion, but he doesn't actually oh. do it. He just kind of like practices every once in a while. Hmm. And the way that that bit escalates throughout the movie and the fact that they were able to get these brilliant lyricist from uh, the musical Hamilton. Like as that aspect of the movie builds up, it is just absolutely stunning what they do with it. Um, So that's a little side fact about the movie, but I can't wait for you guys to see it. And yeah. Cool. Um, I'm really excited about that movie. I've, I I had a bunch of friends who saw it uh, at SIF, um, the film festival in Seattle. Um, Oh, nice. So I've been I've been hearing about it for months. So um, yeah, I'm excited to, for it to come out on um, DVD or streaming, so we can so I can see it. Um, Little fun fact I just read about it: the two main actors are also the 
two guys that wrote the screenplay for the movie. They're they're phenomenal. They have tons of charisma. They do an awesome job. Anyway, so uh, Sean, uh, I think you're next. Um, yeah, uh, next movie I saw is Crazy Rich Asians. Um, it's uh, I'll give you a little synopsis here. <clears throat> this contemporary romantic comedy based on a global bestseller follows native New Yorker Rachel Chu to Singapore to meet her boyfriend's family. Um, this is a, a really fun um, ro- romantic comedy uh, starring an all Asian cast. Um, has some really great talent in, in the movie. Um uh, both comedically and otherwise, um, <clears throat> it's yeah. I mean, I, I think structurally, it's mostly a a pretty normal romantic comedy. Two people fall in love, and then circumstances build that kind of pull them apart, and um, they have to. the The movie kind of centers around that conflict of that, um, but. Uh, I think that this movie does it in a in a really interesting way where it's less of a conflict between the two between the two romantic leads of of the movie and more of a conflict of cultures uh, a conflict between the Asian American from New York who's a you know an economics professor and kind of followed her dream is a very independent person uh, self-made woman um, and uh, the character, the mother character of the of her boyfriend, um, uh, who uh, Michelle Yeoh, Yeoh, um, who was in movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and um, uh, Memoirs of a Geisha, who's uh, absolutely fantastic in this movie. Um, but the the conflict is kind of between them, uh, a conflict of ideals and and culture and what's important between them. Uh, you know, the the mother character kind of has a focus on on family and tradition and um, and building a strong long term. Um, kind of foundation that um, that a, a family for many generations can live off of. Um, and yeah, I thought that was a really interesting way to do a romantic comedy um, that, it, you know, kind of created a new conflict uh, that, it, that I haven't ever really seen in a romantic comedy before. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's, it's just a really funny movie. Um, it, um, it, it, it's kind of a, a sprawling um, kind of landscape. There's they're kind of all over the place. There's beautiful visuals of of uh, island getaways and beautiful cityscape of Singapore. Um, a lot of huge fancy homes and beautiful dresses and beautiful outfits. Um, and uh, one thing I think the first thing that me and Kelly said when we walked out of the theater is. Uh, let's go get Chinese food uh, because <laughs> uh, it, there's a lot of food porn in this movie. That's uh, mm. that's yeah, <laughs> really, really makes you hungry. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I I think I gave it three and a half stars. I don't quite remember. I don't know if I actually um, put it on Letterbox yet, but. Uh, yeah, I think I, I'd give it uh, three and a half stars. 
it's too bad that the trailer for that movie just sucks so hard. <laughs> like, I rewatched that trying to psych myself up for the good reviews that were coming in. Nick, literally, I guess you should tell the story because I did it after you did it. And then. Yeah, me and Shannon were talking about like sneaking off and going to like a 10 a.m. screening where there wouldn't have been anyone there and like taking baby and just hoping that she didn't cry, you know, and like being those people. But like, you know, thinking like, no, no one will be there. So we were thinking maybe we'll do this. And then we watched the trailer and we were like, nah. (laughs) It doesn't really look like our kind of movie. Let's stay in and watch three other movies instead <laughs> and after you after you messaged us that i literally went through the same like motions as well i was like e- like how bad could it actually be i want to go see this and then i turned it on at work and yep quickly backed out of that yeah i'm just like i don't like romantic comedies <laughs> you know it's <laughs> like it's too bad i mean i don't know I guess I I, but, I should follow reviews instead of trailers, but it's yeah, it's hard. Just the marketing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't force it on anyone, but um, especially if you're a fan of the genre, uh, it, I think you would uh, have a, a lot of fun with it. I think a lot of people would have a lot of fun with it. Cool. Oh, cool. So that's uh, Crazy Rich Asians. It's still in theaters right now. So are you guys ready to move on to talk about Black Klansmen? Oh yeah. Okay, so Black Klansman. Um, brief recap of it. Uh, Ron Stallworth, an African-American police officer from Colorado, successfully manages to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan with the help of a white surrogate, who eventually becomes head of the local branch. This was the new Spike Lee joint, and it stars uh, John David Washington, Denzel's son, Adam Driver, Laura what? Harrier, and uh, Topher Grace. You didn't know that, Derek? Denzel Washington's son? Yeah, dude. I didn't know that either. No. That's pretty interesting. Yep. Whoa. That's uh, Denzel's son, for sure. Wow. You guys didn't see That's the resemblance? Cool. I think one of the reasons this film is so good is because of his performance. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I found him like to be an amazing lead. And he had such like a different attitude on screen. He was a really unique, really unique performance. Like that character was just really, uh, I don't know. He brought some, like it was definitely not like a straightforward, uh, guy. He's a really interesting dude. He was like kind of goofy, sarcastic, but like, I don't know, had a lot of passion to what he was doing. It was it was an interesting written character. Yeah, he still had like an intimidation factor about him, even though he was like sarcastic and like you know s- silly at some parts. Yeah. Um, I I first wanted to bring up like Spike Lee. Like, do you guys uh, have much like history with Spike Lee movies? I no, almost not. I unfortunately yeah. don't. Yeah, the only Spike Lee movie I've seen is Inside Man. Same. Twenty <coughs> fourth uh, hour. I no, I haven't 25th seen twenty fifth hour. Yeah. hour. I've seen that. Yeah. Um, and do the right thing is on my list of New York movies. Yeah, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, do the right thing was his like kind of his big breakout movie, and uh, I watched that last year for the first time, and I was uh, very taken with it. Like I thought it was. I mean, it, it was it was crazy how relevant that movie was, and it was similar to similar to this movie. Uh, Black Klansman in that it was it was very funny and it had a lot of like social satire elements but also 
like had some really dramatic and upsetting parts. Um, so I thought Black Clansman was pretty similar to Do the Right Thing, except like years later. Um, but yeah, I mean, Spike Lee is a really interesting filmmaker. Like Derek asked me afterward how many I'd seen. I was like, I'm I'm actually at eight. I've 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 seen eight of his movies, and um, Malcolm X is also like fantastic. I think Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X are clearly his best two movies, but um, and some of his movies are kind of stinkers. Like I saw Chirac that came out a couple years ago, and that was that was pretty weird. Like it had way more style than than it could handle. Um, but you know, I I like Inside Man a lot, and um, I thought Black Klansman was 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 up there with some of his better movies. Um, it just Spike Lee is like this kind of guy who. He always has something to say, and he's a very big voice, and um, I just, it, it's, it was very clearly a Spike Lee movie. Um, what are your guys' like, first impressions? Um, like, like, I kind of want to start with Sean. Sean, what do you think? The interesting thing about the movie is the con- near constant dialogue that's going on uh, about different ideas that are that I'm sure people were talking about back when this movie took place and people are still talking about now, like, um, you know, kind of prejudices against uh, police officers, you know, calling police officers pigs. What are all, are all police officers pigs? No, you know, that kind of stuff as well as like, can you change the system from the inside or do you need to be kind of the outside causing a disturbance to get people to change um, and things like the, the race wars and, and having interesting conversations about that. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think the ideas that were being discussed in the movie um, were really interesting while in the forefront, there was a, a really, you know, kind of for lack of a better word, black and white, uh, story going on. All the bad guys were very bad. All the good guys were very good, and um, it, it, the distinction between the two was very clear. Um, and, and it was kind of had had this uh, black exploitation uh, type of style going on throughout the movie, where the the um, the hero of the movie was uh, a kind of a classic black exploitation uh, film hero. Um, uh, but yeah, um, so yeah, I, I, I quite liked the movie a lot. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I thought at some points it was a little heavy handed. Um, and, uh, but yeah, other than that, I, I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. And the, the heavy handed thing, you know, I, I thought the movie was very heavy handed for sure, but I almost feel like that was like the point of it a little bit. Like I sometimes, sometimes that kind of thing bothers me. Like I remember I saw like Oakjaw a couple years ago and I thought that movie was a little too heavy handed, even though it was like trying to be, I think, but it was trying to be subtle, but it really was heavy handed. And I feel like this movie, it was very blatantly being heavy handed and that kind of made it okay for me. I don't know. Did it did it work with you in the in the really extreme cases like the eight minute long monologues with the you know people like preaching to the choir? Several of that happened a couple times throughout the movie. 
Are you talking about like the um, like, like the, the long the long the long meetups that just had uh, that just had like people talking for like ten minutes straight about exactly what they believed in, mm-hmm. and it just like went on and on and on and on. Oh yeah, uh, th- those did work for me. Th- that's kind of what the dialogue that I was referring to, where I thought they were the dialogue that was going on was uh, was pretty interesting, and they, you know they were pretty quick they didn't really die deep dive into the subject matter but yeah i thought um having though that dialogue as a as kind of in the background to this much more obvious uh plot line going on i thought that was pretty interesting yeah i mean i didn't think it was too much of like i mean yeah it was I didn't think it was too much of preaching to the choir because I felt like a lot of it was what Sean said, like back and forth about like, like the guy, the guy was in the pool, he was in the police and then he was talking to the revolutionary girl and she was like, you can't, you can't change from within. And he was like, well, I think you can. I thought the movie had like a lot of that going on. And oh yeah, I liked that scene. I liked that scene. I guess uh, to be more specific, I'm talking about the, um, the student activist, um, speech where it kind of like turned into a YouTube video for 10 minutes. Yeah. I, Oh yeah. I, I really liked that. Scene. Was that the scene okay. with birth of a nation? No, 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 way he's before talking that. about like the, 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 the rally the beginning. The, the, yeah. The rally. That's the first, word I'm trying yeah. to look for when they, when they're all meeting up in the church yeah. or the school and it was, or whatever it was it is. The guy, it was the guy speaking. Oh, and, right. Right. Um, and it kind of like just turned into like a YouTube lecture for, clocked in at a really long time i think that's really diminishing what they did with that scene like Uh, it's not (laughs) there's no way you can compare it to a youtube lecture like it it took it was a very very creatively shot like scene that does a lot of really cool things that like kind of break like the, the the tone of the movie in a weird way that that still works and like and it it wasn't like I don't know. That scene's actually really interesting. I think like the way that that scene is shot is just really interesting. There's a lot of um, what I don't know what the opposite of. I don't really know what the term is for like you know like the black background. It's like highlighting people's faces and stuff. That it's kind of like silhouette. Does a lot kinda. of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's like the opposite of a silhouette, right? Or something. I don't know. But anyways, yeah. Like I don't know. I thought that scene was. I I really liked what they did with that scene. Like it, it, I thought that, like by doing little things like that, it actually kept it from feeling preachy. And okay. they did some cool things, like you know, it was like doing the cuts between different takes of like one line delivery at certain times. And I don't know. I actually, yeah, I really like that. Scene. Yeah, I and I don't, I don't thing. think it was. I would not call that scene preachy, especially since the movie does a a great job of contradicting that everything he said in that scene you know uh and and talking about how at the end of that scene he said yeah the war is coming arm yourself you know talking about race wars and then throughout the rest of the movie really contradicting that and um through throughout the dialogue um those back and forth dialogue moments cool yeah uh I mean, so Brandon, like, uh, it sounds like you had uh, maybe some more issues with the movie than than the three of us. What do you What do you think about it? Yeah, I had. Well, first off, I gave it like three stars. Um, I thought it had a lot of really good energy, and you know, uh, Adam Driver was incredible. And uh, shit, he always is. 
Yeah. Uh, Denzel Washington's son, like, really stood out in this movie, and he was incredible. And I had a good time with it. I think that's the thing I liked the most about it is that it was fun and interesting and and there you know mixed comedy along with these heavy-handed scenes pretty well. Um, I got I got pretty like discouraged with maybe like three major parts of the movie where it like really took me out and it was just people talking about like just one-off social politics for way too long without like any break and it just like became really unnatural for me it sounds like what you're saying is like that was what the movie was so to you it kind of worked inside its own continuity um but to me it took me out of what was going on with our main characters when it when it did happen a few times um and especially the the end end for me i wish they had ended it a minute earlier um, instead of going into just like the modern news footage politics, I would agree with that. Uh, but I, the I, biggest, I, yeah. I, yeah, okay. Uh, the the biggest problem I had with the movie was um, was kind of the same problem I had with Solo, a Star Wars story. I was really disappointed in what their like investigation um, actually produced. And I thought, like, taking a step back after I walked out of the movie, I was kind of like, what did they actually do there? Like, we <laughs> we have such a long movie of them infiltrating, like, almost like a heist of this organization, and almost, like, nothing interesting came out of it as far as, like, their ideas and how smart and how much they could have done with that. Uh, and that was kind of a weird thing to think back on. And I started liking it less and less the more I thought of the w- direction the climax went. We'll stop now if you don't want to hear spoilers. But we'll probably only talk about this another 10-ish minutes, so it's not too bad. Start uh, start spoilers like four minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rewind and then stop. Uh, yeah, keep going, Nick. But yeah, I'm just like, uh, that's kind of part of the point of the movie is that they're like, they're having these discussions about how things can change and whether or not you can change from within or you've changed from the outside. Uh, it turns out things aren't changing and they don't really change. And then, you know, um, what you said about, I mean, both of you guys said that you, you wish the clips from, you know, th- at the very end of the movie, they show these clips from Charlottesville and, um, I think like I think that was I mean that was the most heavy-handed thing like any filmmaker can do in a movie in mm-hmm. in putting mo- like trying to you know tell a historical historical story and then you know show clips from modern times to say hey it's happening still like that's the most heavy-handed thing you can ever do but like I think the point of the movie was and the reason Spike Lee made the movie was because of like that phrase that Trump said of like, there were bad people on both sides. And I think like he was trying to show that there's worse people on one side and yeah, he doesn't make it like, you know, it, like Sean said, it's very like black and white, but, and I mean, not like, I don't mean that like literally (laughs) black and white, but like one side was the Ku Klux Klan and the other side was, you know, whatever, but normal people. Yeah, and uh, but I think like I think he, throughout the movie he was trying to make those parallels very very clear, and yeah he he you know he he's put a big stamp on it and 
and said it outright with uh, the Charlottesville stuff. But I mean, I thought I thought that was like pretty powerful. Like I thought the movie almost like lacked some drama. Like it was very like fun throughout a lot of it. Like there was a lot of like you know up there was a lot of like up paced like sort of like scenes, and then that ending came and it was like oh. Ah, uh, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a gut punch. Things aren't changing, sort of thing. Yeah, and and also, kind of to put that in context, now that I can talk about the ending, uh, th- how at the end of the movie, aside from the fact that the that the case was buried, um, it, like the heroes win pretty much on every level of the movie, like. They, in a pretty like over the top way, like almost like it was a black exploitation film ending where they totally win uh, against the Ku Klux Klan. Um, there's even that over, ridiculously over the top scene in the bar where they, um, where they get the, the, the crooked racist cop on audio and everyone's there is like, Oh, we got you, you son of a bitch. And, and, uh, get out of here. And then they, then like he calls up, um, the, the head of the Ku Klux Klan, the, the director or whatever of the Ku Klux Klan. And he's like, and he gets his moment where he's like, you racist pig headed, redneck piece of shit and slams the phone down. And, you know, he, he got the the hero got all those moments throughout the movie um but then i think what i thought was so effective is at the very end of the movie or at the end of the movie before it gets into the real life footage they have that scene where they're in their apartment and then um you know someone what uh knocks on the door um slams on the door really loud and they go outside with their guns drawn and they have that really really cool um, very uh, Spike Lee shot of them down the hallway, and they it's revealed that the Ku Klux Klan is still out there, the Burn Cross. And the the main reason I didn't like the um, the live footage is because it to me it kind of felt like, and yeah, you you made a really Nick, you made a good point about that was kind of the point of it, but um, it kind of felt like a. Uh, someone explaining a joke at the end of the joke. It's kind of like, oh yeah, we we got all that in the joke. Like all that information was there before you went into this whole thing. Like I, I thought the, every point that he was trying to make in the, the live footage at the end of the movie was made very clearly to me throughout the movie and especially with that ending shot. I thought that all was pretty clear. And then that the live footage was just him explaining it to us in obvious words. Yeah. Joke isn't funny if you have to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess it worked for you. Like that was, I can see how that's a pretty powerful moment. I just thought I got all that before. I, I, I feel like I got all that with really clever filmmaking right. that he used throughout the movie. Right. Um, rather than just showing it at the end. Yeah, and that's that's totally fair. That's totally fair. Um, I feel like we haven't gotten a lot from Derek in this discussion. What, <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Derek? I kind of skipped over you with uh, the initial uh, thoughts. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Uh, but I think I liked it for the most part. I gave it a three and a half on Letterbox. 
Um, I think it had some weird inconsistencies that kind of pulled me in, then took me out, then pulled me in. Like, I, I haven't seen this is uh, uh, mostly this is my first Spike Lee movie. Like, I saw Inside Man, but I, I hardly remember it. And so, uh, but he's one of those directors I've heard about my whole life. Um, and so I figured that being as important of a filmmaker he's as he's been that this i guess i just didn't really know what to expect out of him like i'm gonna get like a more like spielbergian like safe kind of movie or or what kind of director is he i thought that this movie starts out really creative and i think that there were like a lot of cool things that they did throughout it but like some of the weird things that this movie did like some of the tonal inconsistencies like as much as i love that the the main actor that played the ron stallworth there's just some like really weird things that they did in the beginning of the movie that like kind of set for me set up like an expectation of this character and they kind of just brush i don't know there's like a weird scene where he when he first gets hired on at the 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 police station and he's like you know, he, he hates his job or whatever, being in the filing thing. And that the racist cop comes in, says something, and he leaves, whatever. And then he does, like, this weird thing with his hands. I don't know if you guys remember that. It's, like, this really intense, like, it, the camera, like, focuses on him, and he does, like, this weird, like, attacking, like, punching thing with his hands for, yeah, yeah. like, 10, 15 seconds. And I was like, whoa, this is, like, a, this guy might be, like, crazy. Like, I have no <laughs> idea where this is going. And then, like, that has, that really had no effect on the character. Like, I thought, I don't, to me, like, that just set it up for a strange tone. And um, the next scene, it immediately goes to a completely different tone, which would be, a lot of times would be comedy. And then, yeah, the next scene would be completely different. Another, like, jump into the drama. And I felt like it kind of, it bounced between... it felt like it had trouble deciding how far in which direction it wanted to go. Like there were some scenes that were so over the top silly that they were like complete jokes. They were just joke scenes that you know never really happened, but it's just completely just making fun of the KKK. Like specifically, I'm thinking of like the scene with the 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 main like bad KKK guy is in the bed with his wife, and they're just like talking to each other about like killing black people. And, like, they're just, like, smiling and, like, dreaming of all these different things they can do. And, like, it's so over the top and, like, in your face. Like, these are the worst people you can imagine. They they hate black people. You know, they just want to kill, kill, kill. They're just, like, these bad, terrible people. And then, like, the next scene, it would go to, you know, like, the, the rally or something. Something really grounded, really real and very, like, artistic. And so a lot of that stuff... That happens throughout the entire movie, and that I think that was probably my take. the The thing that really brought me out of the movie the most was just it's. It, it seemed to be a really confident movie, and he seemed to take a lot of do a lot of really cool creative things with it, but it just wasn't very consistent. And um, I, I'm okay with heavy handed. I don't really mind it, and I think most of the stuff worked. But I would have liked to see more commitment, I guess, across the whole movie of which direction they wanted to go with it. And uh, I agree with Brandon. I think, like, the... It didn't... Yeah, like, everything that came of their investigation was kind of... 
lackluster and i know it's a true story but like i don't know it wasn't i i like i don't mind if an ending is unsatisfying because that's the point but i don't know like i felt like the ending of their case was just kind of happenstance like they just didn't find anything of real value Mm -hmm. from it it wasn't so much that like what they found was something really heartbreaking or it's just like nothing really came of it and then just thing then there at the end it's just like oh well everything's still the same which is great it's fine it's an okay way to end the movie but like i don't know it just left a lot to be wanted from that plot i didn't actually i think there was one scene where they just really messed up the climax and it was when they put i think it was adam driver in the basement with them like handing the bomb over to the woman to blow up the next day and Uh, them not doing anything about that the entire time or that night or throughout the entire next day when she has the bomb well and i will say it was the actual climax of that whole sequence of her with the bomb was also really confusing i thought she never set the bomb like, I, they did not make that clear at all. So when he goes and, like, pulls the trigger, I thought he was going to blow her up and the main character up. But then the car blew up, and it's just really confusing oh, yeah. to me. I didn't get I totally, that she put it in the car. I totally I, got that. Yeah, I, I saw She was too. trying to stuff well, it in the mailbox. Well, I know it showed her over there, but, like, it never actually yeah. showed her with the bomb or hmm. anything. It just showed her, like, bending over towards the car, and then she oh. ran away. Yeah, so I, I definitely like, assu- put it there? I definitely assumed... I never questioned that. I, I just assumed that she put it in the car. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, nothing they did affected any yeah, of that. that, that like, if they true. hadn't have been there, everyone would have been fine and the bad guys would have been blown up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, the cops wouldn't have came, and so they would have put it at, like, where all the people were protesting and stuff, right? Well, yeah, actually, I guess that did they tell the cops to be looking out for in that area or I feel like he's she's oh, not for her, there's a line even though they knew she had the bomb. Yeah. Uh, she, he did say her name. He, I mean, not her name, yeah, but he, he was like, look there. for this. Look for he described her. I remember that scene where he like described the the lady to look for to look out for her. Which one? Well, uh, she was in she Adam was in the Driver rally with or? him earlier that whole day. He definitely because he watches I mean, like, her leave. He runs. He like gets lets in his her car. go. Yeah, because it seems like Adam Driver. Once he knew the pl- the whole plan, he would say like, "Hey, the, have cops stationed there uh, at the at the KKK rally, and as soon as she leaves, they should follow her until she plants the bomb and then arrest or whatever." Like, or it it's seems a, like, like it's already pretty legal to have a bomb. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, was I'm I'm I can't remember who when described her. I thought it was uh, I thought it was um, what's his name, uh, Ron. Yeah, John. Yeah, Ron. I thought it was him that like ran out and then called yeah, called it yeah. in and was like, "Hey, look for this girl," uh, and then she and then she called <laughs> back and then they're like, "Okay, do Plan B," which was bomb the house, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Um. So yeah, I, I guess I don't. That's something I don't understand. Can't it was just kind of messy. That whole climax, like, and then Adam Drivers, they kind of built up this little mini storyline with him and his conflicts with the KKK and the guys he was dealing with, and that also didn't go anywhere, which was 
kind of disappointing. Like that, that I don't even think they really conclude that. It just kind of ends. Yeah, it concludes they're with like, somebody they're they had never seen to... before recognizing well, him. Well, remember, the he, but then well, he blew they're up. all sitting at the table, and they're literally about to discover him, other than that guy, like, kind of uh, oh, disregards and then, yeah, it they and just, leaves. They don't. And then that's the end of that whole plot that they'd been building up throughout the whole movie. Is It, get, it literally gets disregarded for the other plot. Which, I don't know, just did, I, for me, that didn't work at all. I think they could have found a, a better way to to resolve that because now that ten that I don't know, like that's unresolved tension that was there throughout the whole movie. It just kind of ended literally with the guy choosing like the other plot lines a little more important right now. So he runs off. Yeah. <laughs> he, forgets. he literally chooses the other plot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what he did. Um, yeah. Well, one thing I will say we haven't really talked about is there were a lot of really intense scenes, really well done scenes that were just, really tense and really fun to watch with Adam Driver in the, you know, with the KKK members um, and like them almost discovering him and figuring him out, but then him being clever and talking his way out of it. Like the, the light detector scene scene was my favorite. Yeah. Light detection scene was so good. was really good. Um, So yeah, there, and there were a bunch of scenes like that uh, throughout the movie. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like I'm harping on it. I actually really, really liked the movie, and uh, I thought it was they did a lot more like creative shots and like uh, just weird editing and stuff that it took a lot of chances that I wasn't expecting it to do amidst its heavy-handed storytelling. And so I really liked it for that. I mean, I think it's a solid movie overall. It works for the most part, but. I will say, like, after watching that movie, and you have all this... I, I do like... I think the reason why the footage at the end of the movie works is because of the context in which this movie puts it in. Like... I don't know. I think that's a really delicate, like, line that that he actually successfully pulled off. Um, after watching all that, and then that that footage at the end is, it's a lot more shock. Like I, I've seen that footage before, back when it was on the news, and while it's horrifying, it for me it almost felt even more shocking. Coming at the end of this movie, and it it definitely it had an effect powerful. on the theater I was in. Um, it didn't. I mean, I I thought it was too much, but I felt the theater like freeze up all around yeah. me in yeah. that moment, um, and that was probably what he was going for. And I think it did work for a lot of people. And it, yeah. it cuts to credits. I think there's like a good, like decent silence. Yeah, if I'm remembering correctly. And there was like some people. There's like a couple of people like crying in yeah. the back of my theater. Um, I mean, it yeah. almost brought me to tears it was pretty upsetting and i will say like i think that might have been something that over delivery over film quality it was more of an image he wanted to leave us with regardless of the effect it had on the overall uh like receival of his film i think he wanted that to be the thing that's like engraved in your head after you see this it's like just not forgetting that this stuff hasn't ended you know 
not 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 just coming out and thinking that was a period piece, but this is stuff that's still going on. I think he really wanted to rub that in. Mm-hmm. And I think he was willing to sacrifice the quality of the film to make sure that people don't forget it. Which is respectable, I think. I don't I don't know if that doesn't bother me too much. Well it's like a Spike Lee thing. It's kinda of what I was saying in the beginning. It was like Spike Lee's going to Spike Lee's gonna say what he's gonna say. You know, he's gonna be very clear about that. His message is his the most important thing at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, um yeah, I so I, I gave that movie four stars. Um uh, Derek, you said you gave it three point five. Brandon, three. I don't know if Sean. What did you say you gave it? I gave, I gave it four. Okay. Four stars. Cool. So, I think we all had good things to say about it. Some more than others. So, definitely an interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So, um, with that, let's kind of wrap up this episode and kind of talk about what's coming out next month, um, month of September, and uh, say what we're excited about. Um, Sean, do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, so when when you said we we should uh, do this most anticipated movies thing, I got all excited uh, to talk about Predator. But then I quickly realized I actually kind of intentionally don't know much about Predator, the Predator movie that's coming out in September. Um, I know it's it's Shane Black, and uh, both me and Kelly are pretty big Shane Black fans. Um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is one of our favorite comedies Um, and uh, yeah I'm more excited just to see the next Shane Black movie than I am to see a Predator movie but yeah I haven't seen any trailers Um, I think the cast is is pretty fun Um, uh, with uh, Olivia Munn and Keegan-Michael Key and Tom Jane um, are in it. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited for it, for the next Shane Black movie. And I'm sure uh, it's going to be pretty funny, um, but have some really intense violence. And um, yeah, a lot of really clever, snappy dialogue. and yeah, People getting hurt. Cool. By their own means. Yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, People he self-inflicting pain. For, di- for directing movies, he is like he hasn't had a bad movie yet. I mean, granted, this is only his fourth movie he's directed, but all three of his movies he's directed, I love. So I'm really excited for this movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I'm excited for it too. I just watched the first Predator like uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, never seen it before. What? Yeah, um, it was crazy. It was super good. Um, so the Predator comes out September 14th. The next movie, another September movie coming out is Mandy. Um, comes out September 14th. This movie looks insane. I don't really know the IMDb plot is. Mandy is set in a primal wilderness of 1983 where Red Miller, a broken and haunted man, hunts an unhinged religious sect who slaughtered the love of his life. It's starring Nicolas Cage, and it looks like this... I'm just so excited for this movie. It looks so huh? fucking crazy. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> it looks so like I don't even know how to describe it. It is one of the craziest looking movies ever. Like this trailer is just insane. Like in every direction, it's just going. It's a lot of uh, like purples and reds. Looks like ninety percent of the movies like under a red light. Um, this guy Panos Cosmatos. This is only his second movie, I believe. But um, I do remember his last movie, Beyond the Black Rainbow. I never saw it, but I remember it being the same kind of thing. It was like this really crazy looking. Um, it almost feels like it's going to be some sort of. Um, what do you call it? Like a. I mean, it's like a. It's a horror movie, I guess we should say right off the bat. Um, and it just looks like really. God, I can't even explain it. Like, it kind of makes me think of, um, um, fucking, what's that, fuck, what's that movie called with Pinhead? Oh, I got it, I got it. This is what I said earlier today. Mad Max meets Hellraiser meets Planet Terror. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I think that sounds like a good mix of what this trailer looks like, for sure. It, it just... Check out the trailer. It looks absolutely nuts, and it's getting rave reviews. Uh, definitely excited to check it out. Wow, yeah. That movie is uh, Mandy comes out. That movie comes out uh, September 17th, and it'll probably be at smaller theaters. I don't know if it'll be at the Regals and stuff, but, man, did you guys see uh, Mom and Dad, the Nick Cage movie that came out last year? Where he was... No. <laughs> So I, I'm like no, I'm like a pretty no. big Nick Cage fan. Um, I know he comes like I don't I don't see the boring like he does a lot of just total boring movies that are just whatever who cares type movies. But like when he's doing anything interesting, it's always like I just I'm just so fascinated by it. And Mom and Dad, he was just unhinged and crazy and just out there. And Mandy looks like, but mom and dad wasn't a good movie though. Mandy looks like it might be actually like a really good movie. And Nick Cage is fucking crazy. So, um, I think it's the benefit of Nick Cage taking every single role offered to him is we're bound to get these like (laughs) crazy weird movies. Well, I mean like he didn't used to do that. You know, he didn't, he used to be like a credible guy until he went bankrupt. And then like, now he just does everything. But like, even back when, like, like Moonstruck, he's like, that's like a romance, but he's like so out there. And, uh, you know, wow, that heart. That's like, man, he's just crazy in that movie. And I just, I just love it. Um, so anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this movie, Searching. Um, it's, it's like a, it's, there, there are two movies, there are two things that it looks like. It's like very much a gimmick. It's like the whole movie takes place on a computer screen. It's about this guy who's looking for his 16-year-old daughter. Like, she goes missing, and it's got John Cho in it, and he's the main character, and he's just, he's going through her laptop, and he's looking for clues to find his daughter. And I'm, I, I know it's it's total, it's a total gimmick, you know, it's just like that movie Unfriended, um, just like that episode of Parks, or that episode of Modern Family, um, where it just, it just the computer screen, the whole movie, which, you know, very easy, very easily could get old or be really bad. But honestly, I thought unfriended, like, wasn't bad. Actually, like unfriended's f- totally fine. Yeah. I, totally works. I like unfriended. And so I'm like, I'm interested in that gimmick and something about the trailer just like really caught me. Like it was one of those trailers where I was just like kind of sucked into the mystery, like right away. And I'm just like eager to see where it goes. So, um, 
And it's getting pretty... People are loving it. Yeah, it's getting good yeah. buzz. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, it comes out this weekend. So, it's a early September movie. Um, I think I think it's already out in New York, Brandon. But, uh, you know, it comes out, out here on uh, Thursday or Friday. So, yeah, the movie's searching. So, the movie I'm excited for is called The Old Man and the Gun. This is David Lowry's new film. Who's become one of my favorite directors? Did this incredible film last year called A Ghost Story, uh, which I think was on Nick's top ten. He also did Ain't Them Bodied Saints, which is a beautiful film, and Pete's Dragon, which is kind of interesting and good. Um, but The Old Man and the Gun uh, looks amazing. The trailer is outstanding. Um, it's featured again Casey Affleck, who he always works with, um, and Robert Redford. So it has a pretty interesting cast, and yeah, I bet this could possibly be like kind of an awards contender mm-hmm. if it does well. Are you sure that comes out this month? I'm not finding any. Oh, September 28th. September, yeah, 20th. September 20th. Ooh, that is interesting. We might not necessarily re- be able to review that in time. Yeah, I mean, that that might be, but, I, 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 and that might even be like a New York release date and not a, you know, Seattle right. release date. Cool. Just everyone be aware of it. Um, it'll probably be in talks for this fall. Hmm. Cool. So, yeah, with that, uh, those are the movies we're excited about. So uh, let's wrap this up and say goodbye. You know, th- uh, thanks for, you know, getting together and doing this, guys. It's always a blast. Um, I'm Nick Moffitt. Uh, where can you guys be found online? You can find me on Instagram, Brandon underscore Bulby, or on Letterboxd at Beb. And Sean? Uh, you can just find me at Letterboxd at uh, Bulbinator2. Cool. What about you, Derek? You can find me on Letterboxd at Chicken Tech. Cool. Yeah, we're all on Letterboxd. I'm Mothman23. And, uh, yeah, this has been the Monthly Movie Dispatch. So thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.